All right, we're talking high school basketball today with Brian Henschen, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. We've got a uh, our uh, high school basketball holiday uh, season was uh, pretty pretty filled with basketball. I want to bring Brian on uh, to talk uh, about the girls, the Hall of Fame Classic, and all the other uh, basketball he saw over the holiday break, and then also kind of some different things about you know what we've what we've seen so far during the season and and obviously uh yeah with the girls season kind of almost coming to a not a close but kind of a, a head here with uh you know sectionals not too far off the uh you know sectional draw i asked brian when that is exactly because i know that's not not too far away yet but uh, a lot of things to discuss but uh brian you you uh i'm looking at you on our we're, we're double <laughs> we're, we're double recording this uh for, with our team group so uh this will be a part of our podcast too but uh i, I think you're with me yeah yeah i'm here this is a very convoluted somewhat complicated because neither of us are very smart way of doing this but i'm proud of us i'm proud of us for doing it we're looking at each other we're doing it on teams and on spaces simultaneously and uh yeah i think this is exciting we're starting the new year with the maiden voyage for this podcast well, if there's anything everyone knows about me, it's my uh, technology is just uh, through the through the roof. So, uh, so yeah, but we're getting it done. This will be able to be uh, hopefully once Clark gets us posted, uh, part of our podcast that we try to do weekly. And and uh, but just let's jump right into it, Brian, because I know you've seen uh, you've seen a lot of basketball here lately, and I know the uh, Hall of Fame Classic is now in the rear view. You were out at the Hendricks County Tournament uh, last night, and then uh, I, I assume you'll probably see see some more of that uh, this week. But uh, let's just start. I'm going to open it up to you to just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what you've seen that's kind of stood out to you uh, here recently, and then, uh, you know, kind of catch people up on where the, you know, what's happening on the girls' basketball scene right now. Yeah, I tell you what, the, the Hall of Fame Classic was interesting because it was three really crappy games. I'll be blunt. They were terrible <laughs> games. And that's that's what we joked about afterwards. It's like, wow, those three games were pretty, pretty, pretty lopsided and and kind of was to be expected, certainly with the first two with BNL and Noblesville playing, just because they're such great teams. Um, but man, that finale between BNL was Noble and Noblesville was everything you could have ever dreamed for and hoped for. Double overtime, a game winning shot um with 0.8 seconds left. BNL took the lead um, on a Chloe Spreen. Um, bucket with like six seconds left and that's something we need to revisit it's just the what I saw from Chloe Spreen but a really fun finish to an otherwise boring uh boring afternoon of basketball relatively speaking but um what a game by Reagan Wilson what a finish uh, Meredith Tipner too for Noblesville um kind of got overlooked just a little bit with Chloe getting MVP which is something that Kyle as you know we vote on before the games are over and in that instance, my vote went in. I held on to the very last second. My vote went in with Nobles vote, or with BNL winning and with Chloe Spring kind of going off a little bit. So it made sense in the moment. Um, but after the fact, it looks dumb, and I felt like an idiot. Um, but um, just a phenomenal tournament for Meredith Tipner. The sophomore has really taken it upon herself. Obviously, Noblesville was losing Ashlyn Shade. I think a lot of people were curious to see where that scoring would come from, but I think those who followed the team last year kind of had an idea where that was going to come from, and it was going to come from the sophomore Tipner, um, a multi-sport athlete, just really long, super athletic. Um, she also plays soccer and could play soccer at the next level, but she was focusing and wants to play basketball in college. So um, really talented kid. And then Reagan Wilson just, I mean, she has that clutch gene where 
big moments, seemed to bring out the best in her. We saw it her freshman year in sectional, saw it at times throughout her sophomore season last year. And then um, last Thursday, she did it again with the game-winning layup um, with 0.8 seconds left. And there was just no doubt that they were going to give the ball to Reagan and see what she could do with it. And she delivered. And then two with Noblesville, something that was really interesting and fun and watching them Thursday versus when I saw them last against HSC about a month ago is just, I mean, the health of that team and, and the difference that, that makes. Ava Shoemaker, um, Caitlin's younger sister, um, a sophomore or a junior, I'm sorry, a junior. Um, she's back and healthy, and that, that gives Noblesville a lot of depth. That makes that front court look a lot better. And honestly, things just runs more smoothly with her on the floor. Um, she doesn't put up gigantic numbers, but she doesn't need to within that rotation. She just makes the right passes gives them that experience factor that they have that they don't have yet with kids like CC Quigley, a young kid coming in, or Kate Rollins. Um, so just really impressive with Noblesville. On the BNL side, um, Chloe Spreen, the leaps and bounds that she's grown um, have just, I mean, it's really impressive. And talking to Jeff Allen, their coach afterwards, he kind of said, you know, this is what we saw with Carson Norman, their Butler commit last year too, which is that it's that sophomore to junior year jump where you see the kids really grow and kind of come into their own. And we're seeing that with Chloe. Um, she's really expanded her range as a shooter. She's a really, really consistent shooter. And she knocked down dang near every shot she took, it seemed like. Um, and just is so athletic and long and just really fun to watch. And then Carson Norman's a tremendous defender. She talked a little bit about being a bit of a funk offensively, but she had some huge shots against Noblesville. And I think she got up. She went above 20, maybe pushed 30 last night in a big win over um, over one of their sectional rivals. So she's coming along. And then with BNL, I think the X factor for them is Mallory Pride. Um, they have their two superstars. And then there's Pride, who's just, you know, calmly putting up 20 against Noblesville first time around. I think she had 20 in the rematch, too. But when you get that kid going, and I wrote about this um, in my wrap-up, but if you can get Mallory Pride going... I mean, BNL looks damn near unstoppable just because, you know, it's you got to pick your poison with them when they have three kids scoring like that. And and Norman, who's one of the best defenders in the state, um, leading the defense. So really impressive there. And then one other thing with BNL is last year, I think it's fair to say they played to the level of their competition where they blow out a Noblesville at the Limestone Classic. But then they kind of sleepwalked through a game. I think it was against Silver Creek is the one I saw. And then there were some other examples where they're just kind of up and down and up and down. Whereas this year they had a team in Mishawaka Marion that's that has a really good piece in Nevaeh Foster, but is also missing Mikaya Porter. So they're down a little bit right now in their three A team. That felt like a game last year that maybe BNL would again sleepwalk their way through and let it be closer than it should be. Not the case last Thursday. They got out early and they just kept pushing down, pushing down, pushing down on them and pulling away. So really impressed by BNL. Um, as for Mishawaka, Marion, and, and uh, East Central, they had their two superstars with Nevaeh Foster, who I talked about. She's incredibly fun to watch even when she's getting locked down. I mean, once that kick gets going offensively, she's hard to stop, and they're hoping to get Mikaya Porter, their junior all-star from last year, back um, before the end of the year. So that'd be big for them. They should win their sectional with relative ease, but if they can get Porter back, who knows? Maybe they go deeper, um, and, and with a one-game regional, maybe they can get to semi-state and, and you know keep building from there. And then for East Central, I mean, Josie Trable is so much fun to watch. Um, they just, against uh, Mishawaka the second time around, it was just give that kid the ball and let her go to work inside. And she did. She was great. And she'll beat you up inside. Then she steps out for a couple threes, too. So um, really fun and special player to watch there. And East Central sectional, I was talking with their coach about it. It looks kind of wide open. Franklin's there, but they're down from last year. Obviously, Whiteland's having a great year. Shelbyville, same thing. But are they of the caliber that they can challenge in East Central? We'll see, or even a Franklin, we'll see. 
Um, but it's going to be really fun. And, and what's nice for East Central is that they're not traveling from Cincinnati over to Bloomington for their sectional, which, you know, makes a lot of sense when you're thinking about geography and all that. Um, so that's all changed. Um, but, yeah, those were the, the Hall of Fame takeaways. I got to see um, Avery Gordon and Brownsburg and Galen Terrell play last night. Galen Terrell's still stupid athletic. I swear to God, it was like there were three of her on the floor. because She was just all over the place. Kyle was unbelievable um, watching her play last night. And then Avery Gordon. Um, I was taken aback by just how tall that kid is. I mean, obviously, like a I think six three, six five sophomore. It's gonna it's gonna turn some heads. But seeing her up close and in person again for the first time in a while, it, as a shorter gentleman myself, it really <laughs> sort of sort of drops your jaw a little bit, man. Um, but yeah, and then one other game that I should mention before I shut up and let you talk is University played their first game in about a month. They'd gone four weeks without a game due to the snow. Wow. Came out against Chittard. They were like. I want to say they combined for 20, 30 points in the first, like, four or five minutes of the game. I was like, all right, this is going to be great. It's going to be close. And University won by, like, 40. So that gives you an idea of just the, the amount of firepower that University brings um, and what they're capable of when they get going. They're going to be a force again in 2A. I think, I mean, I guess you could have said it last year, but this feels like the type of year when they could finally break through that hump and get past semi-state and get to a state championship. They came so close last year. Just just couldn't quite get over the hump against Forest Park and semi-state down south. But, um, yeah, just a really impressive game, really impressive team that's really deep for a 2A team. Like, they have more depth. They have a lot more bodies on the bench and some really high-end talent than what maybe you'd expect from from a smaller class team. So, really, really fun to watch. And, my God, that's a lot of games. But I think I only covered maybe half, 50% of the number of games that you covered while I was uh, summering in St. Louis. I gotta ask you, what does it does it snow a lot at university, or or, or what's the uh, did they have to cancel multiple games, or that's a long that's a long time to be off. Yeah, I think it was a tournament. They had a tournament play planned for mm. right around Christmas time, like everybody else. And then yeah, the snow just banged it, and and they they were SOL. So it was a lot of practicing, a lot of trying to find ways to keep things keep the kids engaged, keep them entertained, but. I think in some ways it was a blessing because it let them get healthy. And then, you know, you cross over from the – we're finally healthy too. We're just scrimmaging against the same players all the time and kind of beating your head on the wall. But it was – that's what made it even more impressive was there were no signs of rust whatsoever. I mean, they were on their game. And Chittard's a 3A team that's got some talent there. I know they graduated a lot from last year, but they have some decent pieces returning. And, you know, just no let up whatsoever from university, which, again, was really impressive for a team that hadn't played in about a month. Well, it stinks. It wasn't a closer game for you to watch, but uh, at least University they were they were not rusty, I guess, when they took the court after that long off. So that's right. What about well, you, man? What did you see? I saw. Yeah, I'm not going to cover everything that I saw, but I will say the uh, you know the Hall of Fame Classic, and I, I did write sort of a you know I decided just to you know write about 20 players that I, that kind of impressed me for one reason or another. It wasn't necessarily the best. 20 players I saw over the the holiday break, but you know, I some notes that I had on all of the the player the 20 that I saw, and I was like, yeah, I might as well you know write about those 20 and and uh, you know whether it was a you know a guy like Mark Zachary, I can I guess I can start there because he I don't think anybody if you were to guess who would win the MVP of the Hall of Fame Classic, uh, Mark Zachary would probably be not anywhere on your list, and not not that he's not a good player or talented player, but you know, Mark Zachary hasn't been, you know, one of the top scorers or, you know, any any uh, stat leader necessarily uh, for that Ben Davis team that's that's so loaded and senior heavy. Uh, but he's also a really good athlete. And they, they Ben Davis put him on Marcus Burton in that 
one verse two opener of the uh, Hall of Fame Classic. And, you know, he went out and Burton had 22 points, but it took, you know, nine for 26 shooting uh, for Burton to get there. And there was a couple times where, where uh, Burton beat him off the dribble, but that's going to happen. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not possible to keep him from, uh, from doing that at times. And, and, uh, and Burton showed, you know, he could get around it, but I, I but I, he blocked a couple shots. He, he did, did a little bit of everything uh, in that game. And, and Ben Davis ended up, you know, pulling away and winning. He also had a big dunk uh, in that one. And then in the, in the championship game, you know, hit four three pointers in the third quarter against Northwood and Northwood played really well. They, they led him, they led Ben Davis by two points at halftime. You know, Don Carlisle said, you know, after the game, they kind of mixed things up, went with a, uh, a diamond press in the second half instead of their man to man. And, uh, you know, I think partially too, it's like, you know, Ben Davis plays so many highly ranked teams and, and rival teams and, you know, 4A teams, you know, you, you're playing Northwood. You probably haven't heard of, you know, them necessarily or know who their players are. And then, uh, you know, I, I think that probably was part of it too, the, the slow start. But Northwood's really good, 3A team, uh, but they are, they're legit. Uh, Cade Brenner, uh, excellent player. Ian Roush is a really nice player. And uh, and they're going to they're gonna be definitely a state title contender in 3A, but you know, Zachary was great. I mean, he he offensively, defensively, he's a football cornerback. Uh, he's got an offer from IU, and then pretty much all of the MAC at this point. But I think he's a guy who's going to end up getting a lot of uh, Division One offers in football, and then in basketball, I think he could as well. Uh, but just a super kid. I, I will say this too because I think it's important. He, you know, he said, you know, I don't need to start. I don't need to. I'd rather have other guys start. You know, he's he's a kind of a consummate team guy. And uh, when you're talking about a team that's so full of, you know, star players or, or really good players, you know, you need people like that. And I also put Sean Arnold uh, from Ben Davis in that mix, and he does start, but he's he's kind of another prototype, like, you know, guy who just going to get rebounds. He's going to, you know, play great defense. He's going to hit open shots when he when he has them. And, you know, that's kind of a reason why there's really no, you know, jealousy. Or And I was kind of watching, you know, when, when – uh, the all tournament teams announced. I was over there by the scores table, you know, took a, a team picture or whatever of Ben Davis right after the game. And then they do the all tournament team. And I, and Mark Zachary was who I picked to be MVP. And I was just curious who would win it. And, and, you know, they announced the names of all the all tournament team. And I'm kind of wondering what the reaction might be. And I, I was kind of had a sense I knew already, but, you know, they announced Mark Zachary and everybody just runs to him and starts jumping up and down. And I was like, well, that kind of tells you all you need to know, you know, more than even the games. But, you know, to know what their um, mentalities like, I, I would say that probably shows you right there because there could be some, you know, a guy like KJ Windham, who's coming back from injury, uh, didn't get a play, you know, probably, you know, he, he minutes are limited. And that's a guy, Zachary, who probably took a lot of them just by, by the way he was playing. But, you know, KJ was the first guy over, you know, he's, 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 you know, celebrating his teammates. So you know, I thought that was really cool. I ended up writing about that a little bit uh, last week, but, you know, just neat to see how they reacted to him and, and, uh, you know, with what he's done, you know, in, in for that team and kind of a quiet way. And then to do it in a big way, I thought was really cool, uh, in that, uh, in that type of a setting at the hall of fame. So, you know, that was sort of the big, um, you know, that was sort of the big one, I guess, as far as the uh, takeaways from the the week. Um, you know, big, you know, Ben Davis has a lot of tough games upcoming. They have the, the Marion County tournament is next week. 
Uh, they play North Central Friday and then get started with that uh, Marion County tournament uh, next week. That's always a very challenging week just because you've got so many teams that are are capable of knocking you off and, you know, really so many opportunities to get. But you're going to have to win four games in a week to win it. And I thought last year they were the best team during that week and then leading up to it in the state probably. They got ahead of North Central by 20 and ended up letting that get away and uh, ended up losing that game. And then it kind of started sort of a little bit of a slump for them. So I'm kind of curious how that week goes. Uh, there's teams out there, I think, that can beat Ben Davis on a given night, uh, you know, but uh, you're going to have to go prove it. But, you know, some of the other things I saw, maybe some of the bigger takeaways from uh, the holiday week was um, Lauren Central is playing really well. Uh, they they won the Noblesville tournament. And I think uh, I'm going to write about uh, Dejon Craig, who's uh, playing really well, senior guard. Uh, more of kind of a profile uh, story on him than uh, on the court, uh, some on the court, some off the court, but uh, they they really have it going right now. Jacob Franklin is playing uh, really well, uh, kind of off the ball uh, as a shooter, and uh, they're setting him up. And Josh Mickens, uh, the uh, uh, football recruit, big-time football prospect, is going to Ohio State. I thought he played really well in that tournament. And then Noblesville, you know, they lost the championship to LC by three points and then lost to Pike last night by two. So, you know, they're on a little bit of a, a slump, I would say, although they've been playing really good teams. But that's a team, too, I think could probably be, you know, ranked higher than than even what they are at this point. So that's a really good win for LC. I vaulted them. You know, normally in the Fab 15, you don't have wild swings at this point in the year and you're kind of just yeah. adjusting a – uh, a, a notch here or two and I jumped them I think they were all the way out up to uh, seven so uh, that's after watching them I was like man I think they're if there's a team out there I think that's really sort of a sleeper I think they might be it but you know that I thought they were really good I thought uh, new pal who's still undefeated uh, I saw them play up at Lebanon and uh, Blaine Nunnally man what a you know I wrote about Ian Stevens and his brother Brody and, and their story but uh you know, that was last week, but then watching new pal too. Steven's a great player, also Blaine Nunnally. And I think people know what he does in football, what he, he's baseball, good baseball player, also bass. So one of those rare three sport athletes who, you know, he went out and had 23 points in the game. I watched then had 25 in the championship game against Lebanon, uh, to keep new pal undefeated. So he was another one, you know, really came impressed, came away impressed with, uh, so people want to check that out. That's on online now. Uh, the kind of the twenty players that I saw who who made an impression on me. Uh, that's up uh, as of this morning. And then I also last night got a chance to go out and see uh, Miles Colvin uh, play in the Heritage Christian team. Uh, they kind of got off to a rough start. They were one and five to start the season. Uh, they've since won three in a row. They're now uh, four and five. So you know they're they're starting to put it together a little bit. Beat Tinley handily last night. And, uh, you know, I shouldn't say handily. Tindley was in the game, and they kind of put it away late. Ended up being, I think, 18 or, or 20. But uh, but Tindley was in that game for, for, you know, into the third quarter at least or part of the fourth quarter. Uh, but but uh, Colvin just, uh, you know, 27 points. And, you know, of course, going to Purdue, he's, uh, you know, just a you know, when you watch him play, like, man, this is – there's a – you know, once Matt Painter, you know, gets him, I think he's really going to – uh, elevate his game even more uh, because everything's there. You know, he's got the athleticism. He's he's still only 17, you know, and so you think about that and, you know, the the uh, progress he could make as a player, 
at a at a really young age still. And uh, you know, the he had he had a windmill dunk last night that was like, you know, just like like uh, Dominic Wilkins uh, type of thing. And and he also had a tip dunk that was incredible too. So, you know, just it was fun to see him play. I think he's uh, he's definitely one of the top you know, whatever number of players in the state, I'd say top three, if you're talking about Mr. Basketball, Marcus Burton may have the lead right now. And I think he's probably earned it uh, from Penn, but you know, Xavier Booker, I think still going to have a say, I think Cathedral's going to, you know, play a lot better as the season goes along. And, uh, and I think uh, Colvin's got to be in there. I mean, you, he's kind of a, his coach even said it kind of a man amongst boys when you watch him play at times. And, uh, he's, he's very impressive. So, and just the, he, the way he can rise up on the three point line and get, get his shot over people is, is, uh, impressive too. But, uh, but yeah, so I saw other games than that, but went to the IPS shootout too. Saw Mike Woodson, talked to him a little bit, the IU coach, and they were there to honor his former, uh, coach at Broad Ripple, uh, Bill Smith, who's since passed away, but I you know, got a chance to talk to Mike Woodson. I, you know, that was kind of a cool thing to, to see and uh, hadn't been in Broad Ripple school for years, you know, probably four or five years since it closed. So that was neat to cover a game back in there again or multiple games. And then, uh, and then, yeah, so I could probably go on, but I won't. But, uh, but you know, we'll have other, you know, we'll have more coverage uh, obviously coming up and county tournament next week, city tournament coming up after that. And, you know, a lot more basketball, obviously. Speaking of that Broad Ripple event, is that going to be an annual thing? I was hoping to get back to that. It just it didn't work out. But I mean, that's really that's pretty cool. A, a city event showcase like that at a at a high school, at a former yeah, high that's school. that's the plan I think. And you know, talking to the to the Broad Ripple uh, folks uh, who were you know sort of the alumni base, and you know they're really hoping to get the school reopened. I, I think I think that's part of the reason why they're doing this is to kind of generate some you know, some momentum and there is some momentum already, but just to kind of bring people back, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And I was impressed. They, they still have a homecoming parade. <laughs> so they don't even have a school anymore. Uh, but that kind of shows you, and I, I wish they could go back in time and there was, I know why they did it, but they, when they closed broad ripple, cause at the time it was like, man, that's a, you're losing a lot of history there. And, and a lot of uh, people who really care about that place. And, you know, not to say, Arlington and Northwest and, you know, the, the schools, they closed Marshall, they weren't, uh, they also had history, but, you know, it was really painful, I think, to see Broad Ripple close. And I, if you ask, uh, Michael McAdowney about it, we went and covered the last, uh, Broad Ripple Arlington basketball game. And it was just amazing how, you know, the community showed up and supported, you know, the alumni and, uh, supported those, that game and those teams. And the game was really secondary, but the, but the uh, the bands and the alumni and everything it was really really cool and kind of you know you wish you could go back to that and it, not every game was like that but it was just such a a cool experience uh, to see that and you know hopefully you know if it works out hopefully that can happen but but yeah I think that's the plan and I don't know if the plan is to have it at Broad Ripple but I know they want to keep uh, you know kind of keep that going. That's cool. Um, I think an interesting conversation, Kyle. Now that you're what at the midway point, I'm rounding out the final final month is if the state did the state tournament right and seeded the tournament let's just say that they went like ncaa style and went you know a true number one i think there's an interesting debate at least on the girl side as to who would be number one and that's something that i covered in the fab 15 this week and i think it probably comes down to zionsville and south bend washington and it just it's an interesting debate between is it the most talented team that's deserving because if so then it's south bend washington i mean they have like five division one recruits and have be been beating teams by an average margin of 30, 40 points. 
um, and just been doing some ridiculous things? Or is it Zionsville, who has the deeper resume with wins over teams like Fishers and BNL and the Lawrence Township Schools and Ben Davis and Brownsburg, and they still have Noblesville and HSE to go? Um, so just a, an interesting debate there on the girls' side. And, too, I mean, should Zionsville split the Noblesville HSE? Like, let's say they lose to Noblesville but beat HSE. You could probably make an argument for Noblesville just based on their strength of schedule as well. And maybe I – Maybe I'm too much of a sucker for strength of schedule, but I mean Noblesville has the played the toughest schedule in the state hands down, and its losses have been to HSE and Fishers, which maybe maybe dings that argument a little bit. But um, it's it's a fun hypothetical I think to go through as we get get in for me at least get into sectional time. And as I wrote in the story, I mean there's only so many ways to express that Zionsville is the best team in the area right now, just based on body of work. But is there a clear cut number one overall for the boys? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's got it. Well, and this is kind of funny because, you know, yesterday the uh, eight people, you know, they come out every Tuesday around noon or so. And I'm looking at it and Ben Davis is out. They're the team, obviously, at this point They beat everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the uh, the voting and I'm like, how is Ben Davis? Some there's one person out there who voted for Cathedral ahead of Ben Davis. <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> if that person just doesn't know Ben Davis beat cathedral uh pretty handily uh this season but uh or they just maybe they're a cathedral grad i don't know but cathedral you, you know you got a fan it's not it's not me who voted for you but uh, somebody out there uh <laughs> voted for you for number one uh and i'm not even sure jason delaney the cathedral coach would uh go for that because uh, they did lose to ben davis but so yeah i right now i would say ben davis pretty clearly is the best team uh, i would say cathedral's pretty clearly or maybe not pretty clearly but I, cathedral penn and brownsburg to me are probably the next group that uh would be right behind i i think i had penn uh number two in my in my poll still uh even though they lost to ben davis i, I at this point i would still put them there uh and then i think i had cathedral three overall so uh that's that's kind of what i had and i think brownsburg too i didn't even mention there uh you know they went out up to kokomo and and won yes. that tournament yeah. over over the break and and really handled uh kokomo in the championship game so and cannon catchings had 39 points uh in the championship game so you know that's a team too i think that's maybe and I don't want to say quietly because I think people know uh, what they're capable of, but, you know, a team that, you know, I think maybe made a statement over the holiday break. So, you know, you can't, uh, and Ben Davis also did handle Brownsburg. That's their only loss. So they've handed, you know, Penn, Cathedral, and Brownsburg. All three of those teams have one loss, and, and Ben Davis beat all three of them. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty clear. And you talked to, I was talking to Gary Betts, who I've known, you know, for a long time last night, a, a coach, um, veteran coach around here he, he uh, former aau coach but he um you know he said too like that you know that's just uh they've got everything you know they've got they've got shooting they've got defense they've got you know they're well coached they've, so i'm not saying they can't be beat but right now you know i think we would all other than that one person out there uh who, whoever that is we all i think everybody agrees at this point who the best team yeah. is that's what's funny is there's one person voting for zionsville number one in the girls poll too and honestly <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much thought they put into it. I would like to think I put a decent amount of thought into it. They might just be doing it out of spite. I don't know. Maybe they're from South Bend, not Washington. Beats me. But I think that it's it's an interesting debate. And I think I don't think that putting Zansville over SBW is, is it nearly as outlandish as uh, Cathedral over Ben Davis when you have had to work on. We need to fight yeah, that you, voter and expose him. That'll yeah, be next week's show. 
That'll be uh, like Dustin got exposed for his Kansas State uh, <laughs> uh, voting. We'll put him out. We need that for high school. No, we don't. Because I actually do something, and I haven't had time this year to put my ballot out there a lot. I do a Fab 15 anyway, so I, you know, what the heck. But but I don't mind. You know, people want to complain. And sometimes I do, you know, sometimes you make mistakes or you have, oh, like, oh, yeah, they, they beat so-and-so. So that may have just been what happened. But, right. but uh, you know, who knows? But, yeah, at this point. You know, I, I don't think there's any question, uh, but, you know, like I said, I would not be surprised. I, I kind of expect them to, to get beat at some point, and I don't know if that's a bad thing. You know, I don't know if that's a bad thing if they do. So It's, seem, it's uh, human nature, I feel like, to expect that, and for a team, usually those losses turn out to be a good thing. Yeah, it's just so hard to go undefeated, especially the schedule they play. They, they You know, you look up and down the top ten, I mean, they've – you know, they beat so many of those teams uh, already. So, you know, it's not like they haven't been tested. They've, they've played by far uh, the toughest slate uh, to date. Uh, but like I said, I mean, there's there's good there's good stories out there. And, and honestly, you know, one of the teams in their sectional is is uh, Southport, and they took them to, uh, you know, they took them to overtime. So, yeah, you can't can't be looking too far ahead if you're, uh, you know, if you're Ben Davis and I, I, they know that. And I think, you know, again, talking to their players, it's like, even after the, the championship game with the hall of fame, Sheridan Sharp's like, yeah, we got to start games better than we are. It's like, uh, I said, Sheridan, I'm impressed. You're already thinking, you're thinking like a coach, you know, you're <laughs> norm, normally your, uh, your players aren't, you're kind of, uh, enjoying the victory, but it's like, man, you're already on to the next one. So that kind of shows you what kind of veteran uh, leadership they have. But, uh, I wanted to ask you too, I was looking at your fab 15, and, uh, this, this might be sort of an inside baseball or whatever, but how do you, you know, I, I guess I can explain my way of doing it. Cause I saw you have Indian Creek up pretty high and, uh, do you kind of assess the, do you kind of, I mean, tell, I guess just kind of explain what goes into your thought process. And, and I'm not saying they don't deserve to be that high, but do you just kind of, do you try to judge it off strength of schedule when you do that? Yeah. Strength of schedule is the big one. And just looking at who they beat the situation, um, you know, like for Indian Creek, for instance, they're winning a lot of games too, but they're beating up a lot of bad teams. But now they've added, you know, over the break and they, they've moved down a spot to five, but they cracked in the top four in part because the team's losing in front of them. But also, I mean, those wins over Center Grove look really impressive, continue to look more impressive. The win over Franklin, I think they beat them twice, I want to say. I mean, that just continues to appreciate and value as Franklin continues winning some games. Um, so, yeah, sharing the schedule is probably the biggest factor and just what a team did over the course of the week. Obviously, injuries too, I, injuries, too, I try to take that into account. Like, when Noblesville had that run, I think, of three or four losses in five games or whatever it was, obviously, you knew that they were shorthanded. So, I kept them up higher and didn't mess with the ranking too much and just try to approach it that way. And then as you get towards the bottom, honestly, with, like, the 15th spot, 14th, 15th spot, sometimes I'll just use those as kind of like a spot to recognize a small school team that's that's been playing really well. That wasn't the case this week, but early in the year, like a Shelbyville when they were on their run, just because it's a chance to recognize them before the season. In Avon, where, you know, there's a bunch of teams all kind of in the same boat. Why not spotlight one team that's, that's doing well? I think there was an AP basketball voter who does or did the same thing where it's like, they used one spot in their ballot to recognize a team that had a big week or something like that. So that's kind of the approach, but yeah, it largely comes down to strength. It's just, if I had a chance to see a team, obviously that helps influence the vote. Um, but I mean, like you said, at this time of year, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stagnation. Even after going a couple weeks without doing one of these, I came back and really the only big move was moving Brownsburg in to the rankings with the wins over Franklin and Lawrence North. Um, and they only lost coming to Zionsville. So 
Um, that comes into account. Record does a little bit, but um, yeah, it's they're they're fun to do to some extent, and it's a good exercise in just staying up with these teams, and it forces you to keep an eye on them, um, you know, and stay up to date on what's going on. But it's also gets a it can be a little tedious too at times as you're as you're navigating these from a week to week basis. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I uh, it is a good way to kind of like okay, they played so and so, and then kind of. Uh, looking ahead to who they play the next week too, but yeah, that's that's pretty similar. I mean, I I guess uh, we're probably both in the same boat on that. And I, it is kind of hard sometimes when you don't have teams, even in your own area, that that play sort of totally different schedules. And sometimes even in the same class, they'll be like, how do you compare what that team's doing? And then you know sometimes you run into like you know well you're head to head like how because I'll get questions sometimes like okay, well how did you put them ahead of us? We beat them, and then it's like well. We can't do a poll at all if we're gonna if we're gonna go by that because you have so many teams who beat each other. You know, it's it's you can't slot them just by doing that. So mm-hmm. uh, now some some cases you can't. You know, like Ben Davis Cathedral, like I mentioned. I mean, they had a head to head, and Ben Davis has a loss, so clearly they get the nod. But you know, in some cases, when you have five or six losses, you kind of everyone's sort of beating up on each other. So that can make it tough too. But but yeah, that's pretty much what I do as well. And and I think. Uh, you know, those power polls I think are interesting because sometimes your teams that are play a tough schedule, you may have five, six losses, but you're still going to, I, at least I, I'm still going to put them in there because I think they're good enough to beat mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those teams too. Uh, so uh, even a team like I'll see tonight, like LC, I think their, their record might not be the best at this point, but they're also a different team now than they were a month ago. So yeah. uh, you see, see how those teams progress. It's hard too to like measure and balance out. This is something that I'm still learning how to do, but just make compensating for the difference in classes. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, there is coming from a state where there wasn't a huge difference between the three classes of basketball. I mean, there is a substantial difference between 4A, 3A, and the rest in a lot of teams. Like, obviously, there's some exceptions at 2A, 1A. But I mean, the style of basketball, the love of talent, there's just so many, there's such a big gap between a lot of those teams in terms of, you know, class size and how do you compensate for that for a team like university or even a Triton central? Like I looked at putting them in this week, trying to sneak university in at the bottom for just what they've done. And they've, their record isn't great, but they've gone out and played some really good teams and challenged themselves and taken their lumps and Triton central too, to an extent, I think they'd be four a Bloomington North to win their holiday tournament over the weekend. But um, how do you, how do you compensate for that? How do you factor that in and give those teams their due while also not, you know, going too far and making it too much of a reach. That's been a fun thing to navigate too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I always feel too like, well, you may not, you may not show up here, but you, you're going to be ranked in your own class probably in the state. So that's, that's mm-hmm. uh, what the, that's what the, uh, the hope is anyway. But uh, what are kind of, you know, as you get into this, uh, so when it, when is Brian, when is the uh, sectional draw for girls? Do you have that off the top of your Yeah, it's uh, I want to say the twenty first. Twenty second, I mean the twenty it's the twenty second because sectionals start the thirty first of January, which is unbelievable, borderline stupid. But I mean it just (laughs) it's so fast because the season starts so early. What what do you think of that, by the way? Like I I'll let you go first. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on on um, just how the seasons are structured, at least on the girls' side. I know you don't you cover the boys, but what do you think of the the way it's set up yeah i mean i i there's i've heard both sides i don't love it because of uh 
you know, it, it almost seems like you're shortchanging it somewhat because the mm-hmm. season's over like it's, but at the same time, it also kind of gets its own, uh, it gets its own, what do you want to say, uh, platform, I would say in, in yeah. some respect also, because it doesn't compete with the boys tournament. So, uh, so I guess I'm sort of, that's not a real strong take, but you know, I, I sort of see both ways. Yeah, uh, the, the bad thing was really bad was when they had to move, um, you know, because of scheduling conflicts and, and other things, you know, they had the tournament out, the, the state finals were not played in Indianapolis for the girls. And that was like, well, this oh, is not, geez. yeah, they played in Fort Wayne. They played in Terre Haute for a while. And it was like, man, this, you know, the, the, so they moved the schedule back to, you know, make that possible again. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, that was good, but, but yeah, I mean, I sort of, you know, I guess I see it both ways. It seems like you're starting way too early to me, but then by the time it gets to the, like the state finals, it's a weekend where they kind of get their own uh, weekend, you know, and you're always going to have conflict. Like the boys state finals, I think, uh, you know, they run into conflict sometimes with like IU playing in the the NCAA tournament or Purdue. Uh, So you're always going to have something, I think. You get the high schools, the high schools kind of get shortchanged that way anyway. But, uh, but yeah, I, I guess I, you know, uh, the the start seems way too early. Like it's 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 pushed up way too early. But then on the back end, I don't mind it as much. Yeah, that is that's interesting too. And I mean, there really isn't a perfect answer. But I think you, honestly, I think you nailed the nailed it right on the head. And that there is, a, you see both sides. It's not one of those arguments where you go hot take one way or the other. Because really, I mean, if they, I'd rather have it where the state championship for the girls to kind of get their own stage. They're sectional tournaments. They are the main event. You know, you're not competing against boys games, and I don't think that you'd see the attendance boost that maybe you would with a doubleheader. I don't know that that would work out too well. And then scheduling-wise, obviously, I think it'd be a gigantic nightmare trying to navigate eight classes of basketball all in one month or on one weekend or whatever it would be. Um, The November start is really weird, and I'd be curious, you know, how that would impact other sports if they were to move that around at all. Um, But, yeah, like I said, I don't know. I guess this was kind of a dumb a dumb and not very controversial, controversial question, but I was curious to hear what you thought on that because it does, it goes by so quickly and you kind of forget, Oh, we started in November before football season was even over. And I mean, really volleyball wasn't even over at that point. Yeah. And that's another thing, the volleyball, uh, basketball, you know, cross there. The, I don't think there are that many girls anymore, you know, who do both, you know, especially yeah, at the yeah. big schools, you know, and I wonder if that may be hurt by, I don't know. But the other yeah. thing is, volleyball's travel season gets going and they're like, you know, so I don't know if they could even do both anyway, if they're playing at a real high level. I was talking to a coach the other night who was saying that uh, travel volleyball is club volleyball is killing high school basketball just because like you said, I mean, they have those commitments to volleyball and that's, that's something I want to dig into deeper, but yeah, that, that is interesting because these sports overlap on the high school level. And then if you want to play volleyball at a high level, a lot of those kids, they go year round and, club season and workouts start out right away. But having said that, Emma Halter from Ron College just won a national championship and she played high school basketball all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's interesting though. And and yeah, I wonder how those other fall sports impact it. But I mean, even for a kid like Tipner who played soccer, her season went right up against the start of basketball where she's jumping from one sport to the other. I think she watched her team scrimmage the morning of the state championship game, turned around, watched her brother play and then played herself for a title. So I don't think that there's a right answer other than maybe we could just get another month added in there for the state of Indiana to, to compensate or something like that to stretch it out a little bit. But 
I don't know. It's an interesting discussion nonetheless. It is. Um, I wanted to ask you too, like who, who, uh, who do you want to see still this year? Is, is there anybody out there, any players, any teams that you feel like, uh, gosh, I need to get a better look at them or I need to, and I can kind of give my, I don't know if we've even thought about that necessarily, but I, I can, I can kind of give my thoughts too on the boys side, but who, who out there would you like to see more, even if a team that you, maybe you have seen, but you'd like to see again. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. Cause actually I was setting up, interviews for one of those teams and a player in particular like yesterday um Lillian Barnes a kid a freshman up at Valparaiso I think she's like a 5'10 5'11 point guard who's been putting up some good numbers has a handful of division one offers already she's been tearing it up there up north so I'm really excited I'm going to go up there I think with Clark Clarkie and I are going to go up there um at the end of the month to watch them play Lake Central so I'm really looking forward to seeing her in terms of teams that I want to see more I'd like to get another look at university against um against the quality team same thing too i'd like to see fishers again um just to get a read on them especially you know when they get healthier when they get now that they have olivia smith back i'd like to see them again at full strength um in in teams like that i'll let you go too while i ponder other teams that i want to see yeah because i actually came up i was just thinking uh, of that because i am seeing park tudor tonight for the first time uh, against lawrence central uh park tudor with jermaine coleman and you know that they've been they beat uh, uh, North Central over the uh, holiday break, so uh, really good win for them. Uh, I did get to see uh, Miles Colvin. Was hoping to see Heritage Christian uh, somewhat soon. Another one is uh, Center Grove. I haven't seen them yet in person uh, this season. Marcus Ankeny, their uh, standout guard, and and who said at Indiana Wesleyan, they were off to a really good start. Played in the Kokomo tournament, they were went two and one there and and took third place. So a good showing. They lost on a tip in by uh, uh, Flory Badunga in the uh, semifinals of that, but then came back and beat Warren uh, for third place. So uh, yeah, there's a few other you know some of the teams like farther away in the state like Homestead, who I've seen a ton the last couple of years. Haven't seen them yet. Uh, but uh, Hammond Central, who's also uh, undefeated, would like to get a look at them. Sometimes they come down this way, but they they didn't early this season. Uh, Greenfield Central is another one I need to see uh, playing really well. Uh, Dylan Moles having a season where he could put himself into you know Indian All Star uh, conversation. Uh, all Brownstown Central is another one. Jack Benter and um, may be able to see them here not before too long, uh, but uh, that's a little bit of a trip. Um, you know. There's some others. Burbuff, I haven't seen them yet. Would like to. Uh, I did get a chance to see, like I said, Northwood's one I wanted to see a few times and was able to. Uh, but, yeah, so there's there's a few out there. Some Also, University on the boys' side, too. I'd like to see them play. Sabian Kane is having a really uh, strong start to his uh, uh, junior season. So uh, Bethesda Christian is also another smaller school. I'd like to see. They're off to a great start in uh, their 1A team, but you know, playing really well. So, uh, yes, yeah, still quite a few. It seems like we cover a lot of games, but then, you know, sometimes you're covering the same team over and uh, maybe you miss out on somebody. So it's always hard to see everybody. Yeah, and I'd like to – there's some teams that have been having great great seasons that I'd like to see, like Whiteland, um, Shelbyville. That's kind of something I've been pawing at, just looking at some of these teams that are having better than normal seasons, like Whiteland and Shelbyville and the way that they've turned around their programs. Um, uh Trying to think of other teams. Lawrence Central, Lawrence North, too. Um, <clears throat> that's a great question, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. I'll get Thank a chance you. to see Hamilton Heights this weekend against McKenna Layden and uh, Northwestern. Okay. So that'll be a good one. Uh, Layden's a Purdue commit, so that'll be a good one. 
Well, let me put you on the spot, and uh, we'll start to get things wrapped up here shortly. But uh, what, who, who do you uh, like right now uh, as Miss Basketball? God, it gets harder and harder. We know uh, <laughs> probably Layla Hall right now, but I think whoever that's assuming that she puts on a show, maybe doesn't have to win the sectional, but has to put on a show. Really, I think I think when it comes down to it, it's probably going to be whoever comes out of that sectional. I think will probably be the one that I'm looking at the hardest, whether it assuming that it's Zionsville, HSE Fishers, or which team gets the farthest in there. And which senior? Is it Riley McCluskey and HSE? Is it Haley Smith and Fishers? Is it Layla Hall and Zionsville? Because you survived that gauntlet, you're probably going to have to have beaten two to three of the best teams in the state to get through there. And I think there's something to be said by that. And obviously, if Noblesville wins, it kind of throws a wrench into it. And I think it maybe defaults back to Layla Hall. But um, I think that those three kids in our area have just had phenomenal seasons and are certainly deserving. And then from South Bend, Washington, at some point, we should probably have Justin Frommer on who covers uh, South Bend, Washington, up, up for the South Bend Tribune. But um, how, do, how does Reynolds and how does uh, Rashonda Jones fit into the conversation? They're obviously having – they're a nationally ranked team. They're both big-time D1 recruits. Um, where do they fit in? Where Again, the strength of schedule thing, how does that fit in? And if – I mean, how do you argue against kids that could potentially win – a, a second straight state championship and have appeared in state finals three or four years there. Um, but I think, I think that's the list. I think the list is really narrowed down. Maybe if East Central goes on a run, Josie Trable gets in the conversation. Maybe if BNL does the same, Carson Norman enters the conversation. But I think right now, just in terms of overall body of work and just having watched all, all of those kids play, I think the, that it's probably going to come from the North side and either South Bend Washington or, or HSC Fishers or Zionsville. Yeah, How about this point, uh, well, I was going to say, at this point, Layla Hole and their team uh, undefeated, right? So that's a pretty good uh, feather in her cap. Yeah, one of two undefeated teams in the state in Class 4A. So you figure that. And like I said, they still got to go through HSE and they still have to go through Noblesville. So if you beat um, HSE, then you've beaten Riley McLusky and Olivia Brown. If you beat, um, then you beat Noblesville, you've beaten one of the top teams in the state. She's already beaten Fishers in a close game. And, and that was a game against Fishers where Lila took over. Like I think I wrote after that game. Statement win for Fishers and it's Lay the Hole making waves in the Miss Basketball race already, and we're not even a month in. Um, mm-hmm. Just the numbers that she's been putting up have been incredible. She's doing it against great teams, and she just she just has that knack of just being able to take over games. It's it's really fun to watch, and she kind of does it a little quietly, you know. We don't necessarily realize it until she's really on a roll, but once she gets going, my God, she's she's unbelievably fun to watch. Yeah, on the boys' side, Brian, I would say. Uh... I, I think Marcus Burton may have the uh, advantage right now uh, from Penn. He's, he's, his numbers are still, you know, even after the Hall of Fame Classic, he he put up pretty good numbers. He had a little bit of a toe uh, injury that he said he, he had in the second game, his big toe on, I, I can't remember which foot it was, but he was struggling a little bit. Uh, not struggling, but you could tell he, he was just kind of being a little bit more, uh, you know, passing, passing the ball off and, uh, you know, doing a little bit uh, – less scoring uh but still you know played well uh so i i think he's uh you know i think he's uh, with what they've done so far with what he's done had that noble there that uh, zionsville game where he just lit it up and i think opened everybody's eyes but his overall career uh you know achievements too are pretty impressive now i think penn will I have like to, to turn on office you know yeah. i think if you're being realistic about it i think penn they would definitely be helped if they could get through the sectional and, and uh, you know, make a tournament run. And I think that's probably expected of them this year. 
to do so. And, and I, you know, that would, that would help them tremendously. And they, they could end up playing at uh, Gamebridge again for, for the state championship. Uh, but I, I do st- after watching miles Colvin last night in person again, I was like, man, I, I, this, this kid is, is ridiculously good. I still think Xavier Booker, I know people are sort of, you know, uh, down on him. He had kind of a couple of rough games and then uh, he was out because of a, an illness, uh, missed the Warren Central game. But people are quick to forget also he had a great second half of the season last year, really turned it on in the sectional and then uh, carried that all the way through to the state finals and they won state. So, I mean, he's got a state championship under his belt. Um, you know, on, honestly, I would kind of wonder if Jerron Tibbs, his teammate, has has a chance. You know, if they can make a run and, and uh, Cathedral wins another one. Uh, so I, I, you know, again, it's still, you know, it's still a lot to. I think people quick to crown uh, Burton uh, in some respect after that Zionsville game, and I, you know, I don't blame people for having an opinion, and and certainly have my own. But I, I'm always a little bit leery to, you know. Uh, to make that assessment after, you know, just a few games. And even now, I think there's still so much has to play out. Um, it's not popular to wait on an opinion anymore, but, but uh, I think in this case, I'm, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I'm willing to wait, but I, yeah, I think those three to me sort of are the, the ones to, to watch. And, and I think, and I think Colvin would agree. They have to play better as a team, you know, the being four and five is not going to, probably win you Mr. Basketball or, you know, whatever the equivalent of that is at the end of the season, they're going to have to win some games and they play, they play three, a, they're in a tough section with Burbuff and Garen and uh Chittard in there. So uh, it'd be tough to, for them to get through uh, in that sectional, but I think they've got enough. I mean, I think they have, you know, beyond Colvin, they've got some good pieces on that team. They just have to do it consistently. Um, but I was sitting with, uh, I was kind of sitting up in the Tinley section last night next to a couple parents and, you know, the mom and dad there, one of the Tinley players kept asking me, like, how many points does Colvin have? You know, and it's like, that's all 23. It's like, it seems like he's, you know, got more, he's got a 45. Uh, but yeah, he just, he does, he just, uh, it seems like some of the moves he makes and, and it just makes it look so easy. Uh, but again, they're going to play some tougher teams and, and I think it'll, it'll play out. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's kind of, kind of it for me. What do you have uh, coming up, Brian, in the near future? Quickly circling back to your question, which is again was a brilliant question of players that I'd really like to see. I'd love to see Isabella Gizzy again before she graduates, just because that kid. I mean, what she does scoring wise is great. Same, um, the stall kid down at Columbus East. I got to see her in glimpses at the um, Seekers for Santa event. She's a big scorer from Columbus East, and then uh, Amber Treader, who I got to look at last year from uh, during um, the state championship game and that semi state from Forest Park out there. I guess that's down Evansville way. Um, she's a big time talent down there too. Um, but yeah, for this week, I have stories up on, uh, Carson Norman for Bedford North Lawrence and her as a defender and just what she brings to the table and what makes her such a unique defender for BNL and, and such a talented player. Um, and what, you know, she, Butler's got a great one in her. And then also a story on, uh, Nevaeh Foster from Mishawaka Marion, who was left off the junior all-star team last year, kind of one of the big snubs, one of the, one of the main ones from last year's team and just her quest, I guess, to to getting back and earning a senior all-star spot this year. She broke the school's all-time scoring record, surpassed an NBA player um, as the school's all-time leading scorer, and she's probably going to graduate as one of three 2,000-point scorers in the county history. So really special player. Fun work talking to her and writing that. Um, tonight, I think I'm going to kick over to Ron Collie. It's their cancer, cancer game against Franklin Central, so get a look at the Royals and the Flashes, and then 
Um, just a cool side angle there with what they're doing, raising money and raising awareness for colon cancer. And then, um, yeah, this weekend, tomorrow night, I'm either going to go up to Center Grove or over to Carmel to watch them against Center Grove. I haven't seen the Greyhounds yet this year, and it's been a while since I've seen the Trojans, who have should be one of those teams maybe to challenge BNL down south. And then um, Saturday is Hendricks County Tournament after um, Northwestern Hamilton Heights up Arcadia Way. Um, so, yeah, really busy, busy time of year for me, and uh, lots of fun and games still to come. What do you got, Kyle? Yeah, so I've got uh, our, actually the, the story I told them just ran here uh, in the last hour or so, so that's out on the on the uh, the old website. And then uh, heading out to LC and uh, Park Tudor tonight to see uh, doing a story, like I said, on uh, Dejon Craig, uh, Lawrence Central guard. I think he's going to end up being D one uh, player somewhere. Uh, you know, I'll, sort of a more of a, like I said, off the court somewhat story. I'll leave it at that at this point and and uh but he's he talked to him yesterday super uh to, kid to talk to um i've got another story coming on a uh student manager uh that i'll leave somewhat vague i think this i haven't actually reported that out yet but uh that'll be coming here relatively shortly and then uh as far as game coverage i i don't know where i'm going exactly beyond uh, friday i gotta look at that a little bit closer because uh, I had some some different options out there. Friday's got a lot of really good games. And then uh, I'll have a preview coming next week. The county Marion County Tournament's always a blast. I'll be covering that uh, next week pretty much. Uh, pretty much all I'll be doing most likely is that next week. And then the city tournament is out. And here's a little uh, treat, uh, you know, for our listeners here that I haven't posted yet. But Cathedral's the number one seed in the city tournament. Yeah, big, big shock, right? So, uh uh, no, no big surprise there, but Cathedral <laughs> Cathedral is the uh, one seed. I just got the bracket. Cathedral's the one, and uh, they will be – that tournament opens on, let's see, January 17th. So, uh, so yeah, a little uh, – You little got the girls bracket in there too? Let's break this new life on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I think the girls' city's next week, right? Is yeah. That, okay. Yeah, Addicts is two – uh, in the boys. So, uh, both those teams have buys, but yeah, cathedral, definitely the favorite in the city uh, tournament and, uh, and addicts, I think after watching addicts, you know, Desmond Briscoe, a good sophomore player. And then, uh, Ron Rutland, the third, a really good junior guard. That could be a interesting championship matchup, but addicts that they, they would be, uh, still, even as the two seed, a pretty big underdog in that. So, uh, but yeah, that'll be, uh, coming, uh, in two weeks, the, uh, city tournament. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's all coming up. It's all, it's all happening, Kyle. And before you know it, it's going to be selection Sunday for me and the end of the regular season for you. And Akeem's going to be on the show at some point. I'm told we love you, Akeem. Um, he's not going to listen to this, so I don't know why, I, but he'll, he'll come on eventually. Uh, he'll, he'll be back at some point and uh, we'll have to get him back on when he's uh, available. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, and just have him on here to talk. I don't know why he he's just so reluctant to come on and just hang out with us now. It's like football season's over. He's covering Butler. It's like he's too good for us. We just have him have him sit there silently if he wanted to, but he <laughs> he won't do it. So don't even pick up when we call on these calls so we can record them. It's kind of <laughs> kind of heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. Well, Brian, uh, again, thanks for uh, doing this. And uh, we went about an hour, so a little bit uh, longer this time. But uh, Clark will post our podcast version of this. But uh, thanks for doing it. Absolutely, Kyle. It was a lot of fun.
You bet. And thanks to all of you who are out there uh, listening. This will be uh, posted on uh, the uh, archives or whatever you want to call it. It'll be re-recorded uh, if you want to go back and listen or, you know, like I said, listen on the podcast. But uh, thanks again, everybody, for uh, joining us. Thank you.